I know you folks love the Word of God, don't you? Yeah. yeah. You got a Bible? Anybody got a Bible? All right. Open your Bible with me. Let's get in the Word. All right. And thank you again for having us. Um, I'd like to turn in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Is, is this someone's? What is this? Okay. Oh, I, oh, okay. I get it. I'm learning. I'm learning your ways. I'm learning your ways. That's okay. Praise God. We're going to turn. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12. Okay, let's rock and roll here. All right. All right. Hebrews chapter 12. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Where are you? I had you. Hebrews 12. I want to talk to you tonight. Really felt the Lord impress it upon my heart. I'm just getting used to this round circle. I mean, um, my pulpit is my pulpit is in the shape of a cross, and it's huge. And it's it's. I'm just trying to get comfortable. Just give me a minute. Let me move the furniture a little bit. I just. I think I'll put that there, and I'll put my notes here. Here we go. That that's pretty good. All right. My God. Jeez. All right. I want to talk to you tonight about finishing strong. It's important that we finish the race of faith strong. It's one thing to be in the race. It's another thing to finish. I was just thinking about what Paul said at the end of his life. In 2 Timothy, he wrote, he said, I have finished the race. I have fought the good fight, and it is a fight. I have finished the race, right? I have kept the faith. And that's what I want my testimony to be at the end of my life. Lord, I have kept the faith. I have finished the race. Amen? Amen. And I have fought the good fight. And so we really do every now and then think about, well, what kind of a legacy am I leaving here? I mean, I, I've been walking with Christ for 42 years. And uh, I feel like I've just begun in some ways. You know, you're always getting new revelation of the Lord and just his person. I mean, folks, in eternity, we'll never exhaust God. You know, you'll, you'll never be bored in heaven. Never. You'll never exhaust. And we're just scratching the surface in this earth journey. Well, let's read some scripture, and then I'll make a couple of comments. Notice chapter 12 where the writer says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Notice what he says. We're in a race, and I'm in a lane, and so are you. And God wants you to stay in your lane, and he wants you to know that you're in a race, and he wants you to win. Now, it's interesting because this word here in the Greek, this word race, agon, we get our English word agony. Think of that. And I thought about that when I looked it up. The word race in the original 
We translate it in English as agony. And you say, well, what's the point? You know what it is? And I think you would bear witness to this. There are times in the race of faith that it can be difficult. It's not always a cakewalk in the park. Has anybody ever run the Boston Marathon? Anybody here? You have 26.2 miles. Has anybody ever? No, I haven't either. Don't worry about that. I, I haven't run it either. I mean, but I did run a four-mile road race. I mean, all right. It's all right. For me, four miles, hey, how many of you have run four miles, right? Many, many years ago, I, was a lot, I couldn't do it now, but years ago when we were young, we ran a road race. They had a big race in the Boston area. We were part of that church, and the town was sponsoring it, and they had banners, and it was a big deal. And I'll never forget running in that race. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, after a couple of miles, I mean, I was like, I had, my lungs were burning. My, I had a pain in my side. I mean, you know, you, you've, you know what I mean. And so, uh, and, and that kind of is symbolic of the race of faith sometimes. When we're in the race, sometimes it can be difficult. And, and um, I just found that interesting. And so it takes serious effort on our part if we are going to finish strong. It's going to take serious effort on our part. You've probably noticed that not everybody finishes strong. I mean, um, some of the folks that I got saved with are no longer in the race. They have checked out. They just figured, well, I didn't realize it was going to be this difficult. I didn't realize it was going to be this tough. And so they quit on Jesus. And so some people do that. As a matter of fact, one of the signs of the end times is there'll be a great falling away. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, the apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit said there'll be a great falling away. And then over in Timothy, he said in the last days, he said some will depart from the faith, giving heed to doctrines of demons. And we're seeing it everywhere today, beloved. So it's important that we stay focused, fixing our eyes on Christ, because I want to finish strong. I want to finish strong, and I want, to, I want to leave an honorable legacy for the name of Christ. Don't you? And so, you know, there are those that have checked out. And then again, there are others, you know, that um, either stay, are sticking in the church, but their hearts aren't in it. Their hearts are not in it. And God wants your heart to be in it. What about Jesus, though, what the writer says about Jesus? Notice, do you know that Jesus' best work was his final work? And his strongest step was his final steps to the cross. He finished strong. And we're to fix our eyes on him. Jesus is the classic example of one who endured till the end. We're going to look at that word. Verse 3 says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He said, consider Jesus. Focus on him. He's your example. And what I love about your worship team is you sing about Jesus a lot. I like that. This word endure here, here's another key that I think will be helpful in understanding what the writer is trying to say. This word endure, hopomone, hopomone is the Greek word. And get this now, check this. It says, to, the word means to hold one's ground in conflict. It means to bear up against adversity. It means to hold out under stress, to stand firm, to persevere under pressure, to wait calmly and courageously. 
So I guess we could say this. And that it says here that we're to endure to the end. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24? And that's the context of the last days. Chapter 24, the Olivet Discourse. You're familiar with that, many of you. Where Jesus is talking about these are the signs that will be on the earth just before my return. And then he says in, in one of the verses there, he says, But he that endures, it is that word, upumone, he that endures till the end shall be? Saved. What's the word? Saved. One more time. Saved. He that endures till the end shall be saved. I want to be saved from all of the tribulation that's coming. And notice that. So it's not a passive word. It's an active, energetic resistance to defeat. It's interesting. He that endures to the end shall be saved. I want to ask you tonight, do you even realize you're in a race? Are you in your lane? Stay in your lane. If you get bumped out of your lane, get back in your lane. Don't be like those that said, hey, you know. You know, some people, and it's real, this is symbolic language, but if you get bumped, you know, in a road race. Anybody ever run a road race? Okay, so you, you know what it's like to be in a road race. Sometimes you can get bumped by another runner, get knocked down, get out of your lane, and get offended and say, I quit, I'm out of here. It's all right. It'll happen. You'll get bumped, you'll get bruised, you may get insulted. No? Yes? Yeah. Yeah. Your flesh stinks like mine. Yeah, there's no good thing that dwells in our flesh. And sometimes the flesh can rear its ugly head. Isn't that true? And sometimes we can, I'm not saying premeditate or anything, but, you know, just because of our fallen humanity, we could, you know, maybe hurt someone, maybe insult someone, maybe say something that offended someone. We got to deal with that. Okay? Offenses can be very dangerous if they're not dealt with biblically. The devil can use that against you. You can start nursing a grudge against another believer. Don't go there. Keep short accounts. Practice instant reconciliation and practice instant forgiveness by the grace of God. And you'll stay in your lane and you'll keep going. So we're in a race, and as we said a moment ago, sometimes it can be difficult. That's where the resistance comes in, beloved. Think of all the evil things they said about Jesus. It says he finished the race, right? Right to the end. He endured to the end. But think of what he had to cut through to keep going. The resistance. Was he tempted? Yes, he was. I mean, I've been tempted. You've been tempted. Some of us have been tempted for a moment. Some of us have been tempted maybe for a day or maybe even two. How about being tempted every single minute of every single hour for 40 straight days? Pretty heavy stuff. He was tempted. Satan always whispering in his ear to quit. Maybe to change sides. Maybe to even like, look, I'll give you the whole world if you fall down and worship me, right? Change kingdoms. Get rid of God's kingdom, I'll give you my kingdom. Still tempts people with that, doesn't he, today? And so Jesus had to cut through all that. Remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15. It says that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. He understands the temptation. He understands the struggle. But he didn't quit. He stayed in his lane. He stayed in the race. Right? 
Can you imagine what it would be like to be in a, ra a race and be criticized by others watching you run? Like I said, when I was in that four-mile road race, we had people lined in the streets. It was a hot summer day in July many, many years ago, and people were cheering us on, trying to encourage us in the run. You know, some people would have cups of water, and they'd hand you a cup of water, and you'd douse yourself while you're running, you know. And it was just an encouragement. People were encouraging us. What about Jesus? Did they encourage him? No, they didn't encourage him. In John chapter 7, verse 12, I'm going to paraphrase. Hey, liar, why don't you do something honest with your life? Or how about this? Here comes the Samaritan. Why don't you go home where you came from or where you belong? John chapter 8, verse 48. Or how about this? Hey, since when do we let the children of the devil enter the race? Remember they called, they said, he has Beelzebub, he has a demon. Insulting him. John chapter 8, verse 48. That's what happened to Jesus. But for all that, how about this? His own family thought he was a lunatic. You ever read that before? His own mother and brothers came to take him back home. They thought he was out of his mind. He thinks he's the Messiah. He really thinks he's the Messiah. He's gone nuts. We better go get him before he gets into trouble. Right? You ever read that in the Gospels? Of course you have. Right? Then Jesus goes to his hometown, and what did they do? They wanted to throw him over a cliff. Can you imagine? First time back home in a long time. He gets up in the synagogue that he grew up in. Everybody knows him and his family. And he gets up, and he declares himself the Messiah. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, and on and on and on. And they, That's a messianic, you know. You know, in, in, in this scripture, in this day, is fulfilled in your hearing. In this scripture, in this, wait a minute, that's a messianic. Did he just say he's the Messiah? Did he just say he was the Messiah? Mary, did your son just say he was the Messiah? Joe, Joseph, did your brother just say? And they threw him out of town. And they wanted to throw him over a cliff, Right? But Jesus didn't quit. He kept his focus. He stayed in his lane, and he, he kept his eyes on the prize. And you and I are going to have to emulate him. He's our example. My eyes are on him constantly. I don't look to the left nor to the right. I keep my eyes on Jesus. See, he's the goal. He's the prize. He is our life. I have no life outside of Christ. Think of that. Outside of Jesus Christ, I have nothing. I have nothing outside of the Lord. You're going to see that at the end. Temptations didn't deter him. Accusations didn't defeat him. He stayed in the race. And you're going to deal with everything he went through. You're going to deal with it. It's good to look at him as your example. But I think, but then again, think about the shame of the cross. Mm, boy, that was a tough one. You know, shame is a feeling of disgrace, embarrassment, and humiliation. You ever remember a shameful moment in your life? Maybe in your past, there was a shameful time. Maybe something you wish you hadn't done. Maybe something you said that you wish you hadn't said to someone. And you felt humiliated and shamed. How would you feel about it if everybody knew about it? How about this? How, about, how would you feel it was broadcast on national TV, on Fox News and CNN? That's what happened to Jesus. 
He was shamed before the whole world, beloved. He was shamed before the whole world. He experienced the shame of the cross before the whole world. Covered with the sins of humanity. Every sin of the human race. Stripped naked before his own mother and family. Shamed before his fellow men. Shamed before the disciples, his own disciples that he trained. Shamed before the religious authorities of his day. Shamed before the city of Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Condemned to die as a criminal. I'm sure parents with their little children walking by, looking up at the hill and they say, see that man up there? Don't be like him. He's a criminal. You don't want to grow up and be like him. If they only knew. But for all that, beloved... There was no shame as great as the shame that Jesus felt before his father. Covered with the sins of humanity, his father turned his face. And then you know the story. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Jesus felt forsaken. So that cup that we talk about in Gethsemane, beloved, was a cup of suffering and shame. Jesus stayed in his lane, didn't quit. He kept his eyes on the prize, bearing the collective shame of all of humanity. Every lie, every murder, every rape, every act of theft, every act of corruption, every act of hatred, lust, every pornographic scene covered Jesus that day on the cross. The collective guilt of the human race upon the Son of God, the sinless, the sinless Son of God. And you say, how could Jesus keep going? How did he make it? How did he keep going? I think we need to know, don't we? I want to know. When I read that and study that, I say, how did, he, how did he keep going? I mean, bearing the weight of the world on him like that. You say, oh, Jesus was God. Yes, he was God, but he was a man. He hurt. When you cut him, he bled. When you insulted him, it hurt him. Anybody know what the, what the, what's the shortest sentence in the New Testament? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. He was human. His friend died. And he saw their sisters weeping. He looked at them and he, his heart was broken. He was fully human, fully God, but fully human. And yet he kept, he stayed in his lane, beloved. Stayed in his lane. So let's ask the question. How can we keep running as Jesus did? How can our hearts have the endurance that Jesus did. Well, verse 2 tells us, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. He kept his eyes on the prize. One translation says, the joy that God put before him enabled him to endure the cross. Can you see how focus is important? Your focus is very, very important, beloved. That's the reward. Listen, the power of light depends on its focus. Light that is diffused isn't much powerful. But if you put that light through, how many of you had a magnifying glass when you were a kid? Now, I have guilt because I killed a lot of ants. I had a nice big magnifying glass, and I would go outside, and I couldn't wait, especially in the summer, and one of my hobbies was to toast ants raise your hand if you did that Jeez, i'm really needing of grace now 
I'm not, I'm not, not many of you did. Well, I was wicked. What am I going to do? I had a magnifying glass. And if you, if you, and you take the magnifying glass and with the right angle, you can do some damage. And you want to know something else. If you take that and concentrate it, it will become a laser that will cut through metal. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you want to become a laser Christian, keep your focus on Jesus. And the more you focus on him, the more powerful you'll become in God. You'll become a laser Christian. Never forget that. And so Jesus... The reward set before him for the joy set. He focused on the joy that God had put before him. He focused on the prize. And then we have to ask ourselves this. What was it? What was it? So what I want you to do is I want you to look in your Bible. If you have your Bible, I'd like to look at the gospel of John. Instead of reading it to you, I want you to mark it in your Bible. I think it's very important. What was it that enabled Jesus to go the distance? What was that prize that God put before him? Look at John chapter 17 and verse 5. Notice verse 5 there. John chapter 17, verse 5. And now, Father, this is Jesus' final prayer before he went to the cross. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world began. You know, what he, you know what the joy was that kept him going? Being reunited with the Father. Remember, he said, I have come down from heaven to do not my will, but my Father's will. Jesus knew heaven before he knew earth. He came down from heaven. He wanted to go home. You ever felt that way? Man, I wish I could go home. Dorothy had it right in Kansas. There's no place like home. The wizard, right? Jesus wanted to go home. That was the joy in his heart, being reunited with his father. He says it right there. And look at the other verse. There was something else. Look at verse 24, same chapter. It says here, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me, who's that? That's us, may be with me where I am. And that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. That was the joy set before him that enabled him to endure the cross, despising the shame and the humiliation. He, and that's what's going to keep you and me going. Keeping your eyes on the prize. Someday being with him. In glory, in a glorified body, with your loved ones. He wanted to be reunited with his father, and he took himself a bride. Took himself a bride back. Right? Jesus knew heaven before he came to earth. He knew what awaited him upon his return back to glory. And that's what's going to enable us. Just like it enabled Jesus, it will enable me, and it will enable you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Listen now. Listen to this verse. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. 
set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, you also will appear with him in glory. That's what it's all about, folks, to be with him in glory. You know, I love my wife, but my wife is not my life. I love my children, but my children, they're not my life. I love my ministry, but that's not my life. I love my church family, but they're not my life. I like having a few bucks in the bank, a few, right? But that's not my life. Jesus is my life. When I am on my deathbed and I'm breathing and wheezing heavy and I'm breathing my last breaths and the last granules of sand are following through the hourglass with my name on it, all I'm thinking about is I'm going to see my Savior. I'm going to be with Jesus. I'm going to behold him. And I'm going to see God on his throne. It says in Revelation, we shall see his face. Folks, if that doesn't motivate you to go to distance, check your pulse. Check your spiritual pulse. If that doesn't motivate you to want to go the distance, to cut through all of the junk, the world, the flesh, the devil, and all that goes with it, all that we deal with, someday, I got my eyes on the prize, and his name is Jesus. I will see him someday. And no one and nothing will deny me that, that blessing. See, you have to be intentional about this. We have to really be serious about this because there are forces at work that are constantly trying to take us out, take us down, cause us to be defeated, cause us to throw in the white towel, if this was white, right? <laughs> cause us to throw in the towel. Like I said, there are people I started with that no longer walk with God. They're gone. They quit. They're out. They got their eyes off the goal. They started looking to the left, to the right, or somewhere else. The writer of Hebrews, let's read it one more time before we pray. Notice what it says. We'll read it again. Therefore, beloved, since we're surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Father, we thank you, Lord. You've put us in this race. Lord, this was your doing. We didn't save ourselves. Lord, you chose us even before the foundation of the world. It says it in chapter 1, verse 4 of Ephesians, that even before the foundation of the world, before creation existed, Lord, it was already in your heart and in your mind that we would belong to you through Jesus. We thank you. We love you. 
we bless your name. We give you, Lord, all the glory, all of the honor, all of the praise, for it rightly belongs to you. And there's no other, there's no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Thank you for that name. Thank you that we belong in this world, that that name is our name in this world, that we're called by that name in this world. Christian, Christ follower, one who belongs to Jesus. Thank you, God. Lord, we love you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's stand in his presence. Let's lift holy hands before the Lord. Let's lift, let's honor him by our praise. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yes, O oh Lord. You are our very life. You are our very breath. Every heartbeat belongs to you. For without you, Lord, there's no eternal life. Thank you so much for saving us, O oh God. Thank you so much for redeeming us, O oh God, by your blood. Thank you that in Christ we have redemption through his blood. Thank you, Lord. How we love you, how we bless you, how we honor you by our praise, O oh God. Listen, some of you have been running for, for a while, a long time. And sometimes you can get weary in the race. If that's you, I want you to slip out of your seat and join me up here at the altar. We're going to pray that God would give you an infusion of grace, God's divine enablement to get you back where you need to be. Hallelujah.